welcome to the Adorno Podcast. I am not your host, Julie Charles, as you could probably already tell. My name is Matt Mizak. I am one of the co-hosts of our other Grace Community Church podcast. And this past week on In All Seriosity, we had a really special interview episode where we interviewed three uh, mothers from our church to discuss a little bit more about uh, motherhood, Mother's Day, and some of the challenges that go along with being a mom in a modern world. And Julie thought that it would be really cool to cross-post our episode, our interview, onto the Adorno Show. And so that's what we're going to do. And so I hope you enjoy this. This is our interview with uh, Tanya Gray, Nancy Shagnon, and Justine Leo. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the In All Seriosity podcast. My name is Patrick Fueling, and with me is Matt Mizak, and we are part of the leadership team here at Grace Community Church. Matt, welcome. Hey, Well, today we have, uh, well, Matt, actually, we both have special moms that uh, have kind of made us into the men we are today. And with Mother's Day coming up, we thought we would hear from three special guests. And so we have three ladies here, three different generations of moms that we're going to talk to and hear a little bit about their journeys as mothers. And uh, we're hoping that today will be an encouragement uh, to moms everywhere. And and, uh, so to start, I'd like to introduce uh, each one of you. And if you can just maybe tell us a little bit about who you are. So we'll start off with uh, Justine. You can uh, start us off. Justine, can you tell us your name, please? (laughs) My name is Justine. (laughs) Um, I have two kids. My daughter is two and a half, and my son is four months old. Um, What do you do? Oh, I uh, I own an interior design business. I work from home with both my kids, and I uh, grew up in this church, so I've known Matt and Pat a really long time. Yeah, awesome. All right, Tanya, how about you? My name's Tanya, and I have three boys, um, Levi 16, Mason 14, and Nolan 11. I'm a secretary at an elementary school, so I have lots of extra kids. All right. Nancy? Uh, My name is Nancy. I have two sons. They're 37 and 40, and I have four grandchildren, and I'm a retired special education parapro from Wald Lake Schools. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, welcome, ladies. We're glad that you're here today. And uh, just to start off with Mother's Day coming up, what's, what do you think of when you hear, when you think of Mother's Day, either as a mom or growing up with your mom? Anything that comes to mind? But well, no, as, no a mom, as a mom, <laughs> I think of uh, treat myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like Mother's Day to be without my kids. <laughs> nice. Um, well, my kids are older, and so I, when I think of Mother's Day, I usually think about them with their families and my daughters-in-law because they have children, and so I, I like to celebrate them as mothers more than celebrating me as a mother. Okay. That's a very motherly thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Justine, what was the first Mother's Day like? Was that weird? Like when you realized this is you now? Yeah, so my first Mother's Day was actually in 2020. Oh. So it was um, it was May of 2020. So I uh, thankfully they had just lifted a lot of the lockdowns, so I could actually spend it with my mom. But it was really really weird, and it was actually very disappointing. You kind of I spent this like whole pregnancy of everybody talking about your first Mother's Day, and then my first Mother's Day was like this kind of huge disappointment because I was seeing my aunts and my grandma and everybody 
over Zoom, and um, even the time I spent with my mom was mostly focused on our Zoom call. Like, she and I didn't really get to spend much time, just the two of us. And when I think of Mother's Day, because my kids are so young still, they don't really get it or care. Mm uh, I mostly just think of my mom and how close we are. So that it was just a really weird year. And, uh, yeah. For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. And I distinctly remember it was by June, they had, like, really lifted everything because it was warm out and we could go outside. So for Father's Day, uh, we went – we did our normal traditions. We were over at my aunt and uncle's house. My husband got gifts from the uncles and all this other stuff, and I just, like, had a really hard time with it because I felt, like <laughs> – I felt really gypped. We went home, and I was like, this is really stupid. <laughs> you got, like, a really great Father's Day, and I got this, like – No, to Mark, make up Day. for that. Yeah. yeah. I think I told you that, Tanya, I'm that day. Nice. I was like, yeah. of course – the whole world opens up on Father's Day, and on Mother's Day, we were all locked in our houses. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, obviously, three different generations here of moms. And what do you guys think of when, I guess, what's been the most difficult part of being a mom? Uh, maybe it's something that is an ongoing thing, or maybe it's something you experienced and got past it. Uh, what, when it comes to a mom, what's, what's uh, one of the challenges that uh, you've, you've had to face or continue to? I think for me, it's knowing when to take a step back and just let them kind of, you know, even when they were little, like handle things, um, you know, age appropriately. But, you know, I can, I always remember the one time one of my kids went over to his friend's house across the street. He came back and he had a footprint on his face and he was so mad. And they were playing in a treehouse. He wanted to go up. His friend wanted to come down, and she just kicked him in the oh, face, gosh. and she came down. And he came home, and I, I was kind of like, well, what do I do about this? And we talked about it, and 10 minutes later, he took off to go back and play with her. So had I gotten involved in that, he wouldn't have had the confidence to, to say, hey, you know, I can go back and do this because my mom's going to take care of it. Yeah. But it's kind of that no matter what they what the age is knowing when to step back and let them handle things and when to give advice especially if it's not asked for but just to kind of let them find that way so Nancy your kids are older how is that has it been easier or harder to as they get older to you know step back and find those boundary lines it kind of goes in waves. Like when they're in high school, it was harder because sometimes we're some things were a hard no. Right. No, we're not doing that. That you know that seems dangerous. You know, I, I'm not comfortable with that. But other things, um, you know, sometimes you can step back from when you hear something that they they're planning to do, and you think, oh, I really don't want that to happen. But I don't think it's ever gonna happen. So maybe if I just step back and let it play out, they figure out on their own, this is not a good idea. Hmm. So it kind of, you know, high school, college age kind of was more so, you know, they're adults now and they're really, I'm just so proud of them about how they manage their lives and their families. And, <clears throat> you know, it's, they ask for our opinion about things, but it's not like, when they were in their teens or early 20s. It's much, it's much more fun now to sit back and watch. 
And Tanya, I imagine you're in a little different situation right now as your kids are mostly you know in that teenager mm-hmm. uh, realm. So how is how is that experience as a mom right now? Um, it feel the hardest part of it is feeling like there's so much at stake because like mm-hmm. they when they're little there's a lot at stake just for their survival. Like yeah. you can't drop the kid. There's gonna be a problem. <laughs> like, you can't. You know, you don't want to have, like, the toddler terrors that no one wants around. So, like, that feels, like, at stake. And then as they go to school, it's like, are they going to, like, there's, it just always feels like there's so much that we're trying to avoid. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot at risk. And as teenage, raising teenagers, it's like they're about to be actual people. And that is really scary because it's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing I mean I feel like I never know what I'm doing and um, I'm trying to raise good humans you know and um, so it is it's hard to like watch yourself fall and and see the consequences of it and some of their behaviors where it's like oh that's something we probably should have worked on a little bit better and of course there's the rewards of like oh we did that one right you know but it just feels like there's always a lot that we're working through for a for a big purpose yeah you know, Justine, obviously you're in a stage with, you know, very young kids. So in a lot of ways, it would seem there's probably more physical fatigue than maybe emotional, <laughs> relational fatigue that maybe Tanya and Nancy have experienced in some ways. But how, do you, how, how has motherhood been for you at this stage and what challenges do you see? Uh, so the first half of that question, how's motherhood been? Motherhood's been, it's been very fulfilling, but it is. It's really, really hard. Um, but the, I think that, the I, two things came to mind with that are like the hardest thing for me, and one of them is actually social media. It's this weird, and I think that's where a big generational difference yeah. comes mm-hmm. in because there's always been pressure on moms to be perfect, to do it all perfectly, and if your kids, if something goes wrong with your kids, it's all your fault type of thing. There's so much at stake and all that stuff, but social media makes it so much worse, and it's kind of like two sides of this toxic coin so like on one side they're making you feel like you're not a good enough mom if you're not giving your kid organic food that's like homegrown all the time (laughs) or like you're not you know doing whatever that person on the internet thinks is the best solution for your kid that your kid is just gonna like turn into a serial killer or something like you know they they honestly make you feel that way and then the other side it's like you'll watch one video where somebody's telling you that you're not a good enough mom if you're not doing all these things and then immediately the next video is somebody telling you that your husband doesn't do enough at home that you do absolutely everything and they turn you into a complete martyr like you are they put you up on this pedestal and so you go through this crazy emotional roller coaster of like I'm not good enough yeah why do I do everything in the household and it's like (laughs) it's horribly toxic and it's really really hard to fight to to get away from it and to fight it and even if you're like I'm not going to listen to it I'm not going to intentionally find it it finds you (laughs) like being on social media at all all those algorithms just line themselves up nicely that you're just constantly like fed this stuff and I have definitely gone through seasons where I all of a sudden look and I'm like why am I so mad at my husband right now for no reason and I realize that I've been fed so many videos about Mm -hmm. these husbands not doing enough and Mm -hmm. they're they're lazy and you're carrying the whole load all by yourself and I believed it even though it's not true with my husband and I know that plenty of women struggle with those things but I am not one of them thankfully and Mm -hmm. it's just been like it's really really weird and to steal a 
phrase from Julie Charles because I've been yeah. listening to her podcast a lot. She um, she said, I am not the selfless martyr that I make myself out to be. Right. And like social media does that to us. It like tries to turn us into mm-hmm. this selfless martyr. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so I think that's been like the hardest thing, one of the hardest things for me. And then the other one um, that I've been struggling with, and I think a lot of women in my stage struggle with, but nobody talks about it outside of like doctors talk about it when you first have the baby is postpartum depression. Mm. And they bring it up to you and they make it very serious and it is a serious issue. But then, um, and I at least my doctor like checks in when I go in for my appointments and stuff. She's like, how are you doing? And checking in on me. But I don't know the women around me that have struggled with postpartum depression and I'm positive that they are there. <laughs> Yeah, and I it it took a lot for me to Mm -hmm. to recognize it, and even my family didn't notice anything different with me specifically. My husband didn't even notice anything different with me. It was something internally that I had to look and like that was not a thought that is normal for me, and like that was not a a a recognizable behavior of mine. And it's weird because everybody says. You don't feel like yourself, but I felt like me just, like, angrier, darker, if that makes sense. Like, busier, yes. Yeah, and I just Mm -hmm. was, like, suddenly having these, like, intrusive thoughts that Mm -hmm. were just awful, and it wasn't, it it was not like, it wasn't like my whole body felt different. It wasn't like I felt like a completely different person. I felt like me, but just, like, the worst version of me. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. And when I first had my daughter, I felt like the best version of me. And that's how I know that this was very different. Mm. And so I'm thankful that I was able to recognize it. But I just, I, that's, yeah, I, that's been hard. That's been a weird struggle, too. Because thankfully, I was able to have a medication that helped mm-hmm. quickly, first try. You know, I didn't have to go through a whole bunch of different ones to find one that helped. But it's just, I think a lot of women don't <clears throat> talk about that even though we should, because it's totally, completely normal. So this episode comes out on Thursday. My wife is due the next day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm asking selfishly, but more for everybody else as well. What, What would you have liked from Mark you know, or your family, what would you have liked, what would have been helpful for you while you're going through that? Um, what, what would have been terribly unhelpful, stuff like that, uh, while you're going through that? And Tanya, you can speak to that, I guess, too. But. Um, the one thing that my mom actually did that was very helpful is when I, because it took courage for me to say it Mm -hmm. out loud the first time. And then once I did, it became like really easy to say it out loud. Mm. Um, uh, But I also am a person who feels very strongly that we should all talk about our mental health because more people struggle with it than we realize. Mm. Um, But one thing that my mom said to me was, that took a lot of courage for you to recognize that in yourself and a lot of bravery to tell your doctor about it and do it all on your own because nobody else around me recognized the behaviors. Most of it was internal. I was not, I mean, I was a little, I was more irritable than normal, but I also was struggling with taking care of two kids by myself, running a business at home for the first time ever. So 
a lot of the irritability was understandable. You're there, so tired. and I was so tired, and there's I'm still so tired. <laughs> and um, you know, there were a lot of external things that could easily justify my external behaviors, but there it was a whole lot of recognizing my own internal battle. And my husband paid attention to, you know, at least our hospital, which happens to be the one Kara's going to, makes it really clear. If she's doing, they turn to your husband and say, if she's doing this, it was things like um, if she is crying uncontrollably, if she is saying anything that makes you scared for her or your child, if she is sleeping excessively you know pointing out external things they were like take her to the hospital immediately don't call us don't ask her permission take her to the hospital and so that's where i'm saying medical field has gotten very serious about it and it is serious um but uh the i think we just don't all know how to recognize it with each other either and um, yeah, one thing that is not helpful, and thankfully I did not really have anybody tell me this, but um, I've had people tell me this for other mental health issues is, well, it's not that bad, yeah. and yeah. it'll get better, it could, be worse. It could mm-hmm. be worse, or what do you have to be depressed about? You have two beautiful children mm-hmm. and a company that's going well, that's and you get to be it. home. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I, hate, yeah. I hate that. I mean, yeah. it's true, but women hear that so often like Mm -hmm. just enjoy every minute i'm not gonna enjoy when my kid throws up on me sorry Mm -hmm. i'm not (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know i and so the the devaluing and and um belittling of any even if it's not actually postpartum depression and it's just the mental struggles of new motherhood they're really hard (laughs) they're really hard and i would any kind of belittling is the most unhelpful thing in the world. If if a woman is telling, if a mom is telling you at any stage that she's struggling with something, the worst thing you can do is, oh, but there are, isn't it great though to have kids? Yeah, of course it's great to have my kids, but also today sucked because. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. Those yeah well, things. I'm encouraged that the, the medical profession has come so far. I mean, back when we had kids, I mean, you know, it just, it, it didn't, it was there, but it wasn't something that was, we were looking for in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad to hear that, 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 that with all the other mental health things are, are just more prevalent today and they're more front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Tanya, I know you said you had, you went through some of that as well. And if you want to share some of that, of some of those struggles, I mean, we first met you guys, I think that was about one of the times when we first met you and such. And, I, and for me, it was just a learning experience because I hadn't experienced that with anyone before, but it was yeah. a great, I mean, I hate to say, you know, you had to go through that, but for me, I learned a lot. And so I don't know, maybe, I think what Justine said, is there anything else you would add to that? Well, first of all, I, I wish I had known. I didn't know that you were struggling with that. That's such a big part of my story. It was between my second and third. Um, I had a two-year-old and a newborn, and um, I lost myself a little bit, and I uh, had to go to the mental the hospital. I uh, told my husband that I was planning to kill myself it was very hard and that's not me people who know me know I'm laid back and nothing ruffles me but I when you talk about that like rapid it's the rapid fire brain thing mm-hmm. um, which again is just not me my brain is mostly ah! <laughs> Um, counting minutes that he was sleeping and running up and down the stairs from like 
Like I put him to bed and then run up to make sure he was still sleeping and then run back down and try lay in bed for like two minutes. And, the, and it was just so not me. And um, the one thing, the encouragement that I needed that I actually got from a, a woman in the psych ward of all places and people was she was telling me like, this is not who you are because there was a part of me in the middle of that and part of what was adding to my spinning out that was um this is who I am now and and when they when I went into the psych ward which not everyone has to do um it was the right thing for me it was hard but um you walk in there and it's not postpartum it's not a postpartum ward it's an actual just a a, a psych ward at Beaumont um and I looked around and I was like this is this isn't where I belong, but but yes, this is where I needed to be, and um, I just that was so defeating to feel like this is who I am now. Like that lady's eating cotton swabs, and that guy is over there like banging his head on a doorknob. Mm-hmm. Like these aren't my people, um, and a, a, there just it happened to be someone there that was struggling with postpartum, and she was on the tail end of it. And she was like, this is not who you are. You will, you know, and I did. And I got, I didn't think I was going to have any other kids um, because that, I just couldn't think, didn't think I could handle it again. And I had Nolan two years later and had no struggles Hmm. at all. But um, yeah, I mean, I think just being aware that it's a possibility when you're a new dad and you're supporting just, don't be afraid to ask questions, yeah. you know, they're hard, they're scary questions because the answer might be really scary, but, um, I was so lucky. I mean, Chris was amazing. He was stronger than I've ever known him to be in that time because he had to be. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know it's not easy things to share and, um, but it, it's, it's good to know. I mean, it's good for other moms to know. It's good for other just people in general to know and be observant about those things. And I think, you know, just in you know, the fact that you were able to, you know, be courageous enough to mention it and, you know, Tanya, you were able to, you know, share with certain people that, hey, you needed help, I think is a huge thing. And, um, you know, so I'm glad that those things continue to evolve and, and change for the positive. So. And if I could actually just thought, of, if I could add one more thing, the thing that I realized um, when I called my doctor, I have, I've never had an easier process of, of getting the help I needed for any medical issue before ever. I called my doctor and said, how, who do I need to talk to about postpartum depression? What is that process? And she asked me, what are your symptoms? And I just listed off a few things. And she said, are you feeling this? Are you feeling this? Are you feeling this? And it was things like, are you crying when you're not sad? Are you... Or are you feeling sad for no reason? Are you, um, I can't think of all the explanations, but, you know, she listed off a few things. And I said, yeah, I'm definitely feeling these things. And she just said, okay, I'm going to write you a prescription for Lexapro. Call it. It'll be ready by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That, I have, I can't, you can't even get, like, <laughs> and you can't get any other prescription without a, we need you to come in. We need right. to give you an exam. We need to do all this stuff. And so I just want to, I had no idea. They say it's easy to get help when you you hear it on the radio and all that sort of stuff. I just wanted to, for anybody who's listening who might be struggling, you literally just have to call your doctor and say, Mm -hmm. I think I might be struggling with postpartum depression. And they will ask you questions over the phone and more than likely just prescribe it for you right then and there. Mm -hmm. And my brother-in-law happens to be, um, 
uh, he's getting his PhD in psychology, and he said that Lexapro in particular is one that you can, he's like, most doctors will just give it to you really easily if you need it because it's so low side effect, it's so low risk um, that there's not really any harm to even just trying it. Even if it's not postpartum depression and you try it and it didn't make a change, okay, that didn't work and no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. You call, just call your doctor and say, I think maybe this might be an issue and that's that can have a world of difference because I am a totally different person mm-hmm. than I was three months ago mm-hmm. in a good way. I am back to me. Mm-hmm. I am in the sense like I'm doing crafts again and I didn't realize I hadn't done them anymore and like I didn't realize I had stopped doing it and I thought it was just because I was busy and overwhelmed and it's not it's because I didn't have the drive to I didn't have the care to and I was losing interest in just those fun things I loved and I just anyway that was all I wanted to throw that out there that you if you're thinking I might be feeling this you are oh yeah and just get help just Mm -hmm. call don't be afraid to admit it and to to seek it out because if it's in your head it's worth acknowledging mm-hmm. yeah no, really well said so uh switching gears a little bit um this one's for tanya and nancy uh, you know you guys are a little bit further along than justine is obviously in the mothering stages mm-hmm. and so forth but if you could go back and provide um yourself with some wisdom of things that you wish that you know now that you wish you knew then is there something that you may tell your former self and nancy i'll start with you Oh, boy. Uh, I would tell my former self a lot of things. But, mm-hmm. you know, the one thing that, that Justine has said about social media, you know, one minute you're a great mom and the next minute you're a terrible mom. You know, when my kids were little, we didn't have social media, so I didn't have other people telling me. But, you know, if, if I had a bad day, then I would start talking to myself mm-hmm. about how I should have done things differently and how I could be a better mom. And, you know, I could be pretty hard on myself. And, you know, I think just to give yourself a break, you know, you you do the best you can with what you know how to do. You know, maybe I could have done better, um, but I did the best I could. I, I did the best I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you expect yourself to be perfect, you know, it's not going to happen because kids are going to be kids and they're going to throw all that up, you know, no matter how, how well you're doing, they're going to do their thing. And you could have a perfect day planned, and it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you you know you just got to give yourself some some credit, and you know sometimes you just have to say, okay, none of this is going to happen today. Let's mm-hmm. just go have some fun because we all need it, and just kind of, I guess, do like I do with my grandkids, mm-hmm. where I have the the opportunity now to just just enjoy them and you can't realistically you can't just enjoy your kids you have other things to do (laughs) but you know you can give yourself a little bit of break that you know not everything has to be perfect and don't look at other moms and say oh I wish I were more like her because you have no idea what's going on in her life at that time and really you know in in general that's always in the back of my mind you have no idea what's going on in other people's lives so what you may see is, oh, that's the perfect mom, and she's really got it together. She probably doesn't have it together either. So, you know, you just can't put that kind of pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. No, it's really well said. I think there's that quote, comparison is the thief of all joy. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all do it, it mm-hmm. especially. I think social media, as Justine, you mentioned earlier, just amplifies that. 
Um, so it's it's a it, it's huge to give yourself some grace to let you know that hey, I don't have to be perfect. You know, this is not the end of the world. Although at the time, there's times when it feels like it is, but yeah. we do find ways to get through those. And so, how about you, Tanya? Anything that you would go back and tell uh, younger Tanya? Um, it's kind of a truth I'm not wrestling with, but trying to remind myself of a lot right now too. And I wish I had grasped this when they were younger. I am exactly the mom that my kids need. I am the right mom hmm. for Levi. I'm the perfect mom for Mason. And I'm <laughs> the right mom for Nolan. Like, I I struggle with that a lot. I, I struggle with feeling like I'm not enough or I'm not smart enough to raise that. Like, I can't do their homework anymore. They've all outpassed <laughs> me in homework. I'm not smart enough. Or I'm not serious enough like I just you know it, it's not as much comparison as it's just an internal beating myself up but I know that when my kids were little I really wanted to usher in these experience like this out of our home experiences like these like bigger and better and I don't know I just I just struggle with feeling like I'm enough or I'm the right person for them and um I just wish I had I wish I had grasped that then and I'm trying to grasp it now that I'm exactly who they need to be the the men ultimately that God's creating them and crafting them to be. Uh, Justine, a little slightly different question, but similar. Like what from obviously your mom, from the other moms in your life that you've seen, uh, what what do you admire about some of the, the things? You know, your mom's probably an easy choice, but um, the the characteristics that you've seen from moms that are a little bit further along the journey than you, what, what kind of things do you admire from them? Well, you guys know how close I am with my mom. Yeah. We're very, very close. Um, so there are a lot of things I admire about my mom. Your mom's um, awesome, by my, the way. My mom yeah. is awesome. Margie, if you're listening, I, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She was the kind of mom that um, growing up, um, you know how, well, maybe not. She um, was the cool mom. She was the cool mom. Yeah. And she, but not like the cool mom who gives you drugs. Like the no, cool mom. no, not like not like yeah. the cool like mom from cool Mean mom. Girls. That's like yeah. I'm not like other moms. I'm a cool mom, and that's that wasn't my mom. She was genuinely it's like a you cool want to be mom. like her. Yeah. Yes, I very much want to be like my mom. She was. My friends would come over. There's one night in particular I distinctly remember, where they came over for a bonfire. And they and my friends invited my parents to join us for the bonfire. And they were like, oh, no, no, we don't want to intrude. You guys have your night. And my friends walked away and I go, mom, you don't understand. My friends tell me all the time how cool you guys are. And it's not because they were aloof parents because they weren't. They were very, both of them, very involved in our lives. Um, And... It's not because they were overprotective. It wasn't because I think it was just you could see. I think my friend, a lot of my friends saw a difference in my parents in the way that they approached parenting because it was a very Christ-centered parenting style. Just mom was constantly, even it, I went through struggles in middle school as everybody does, and mom's first instinct was always just, why don't we pray about that? Let's... Let's um, 
pray about that friendship or why don't you just you just need your goal as her friend is to let her know that God loves her things like that um, making that a very central part of our home and um, that's something that I definitely want to emulate that I'm very much working on because it's um, I've realized recently that even though I grew up in the church, my knowledge of the Bible is actually very small um, because I've just kind of like accepted, like I learn about it every Sunday, right? I hear I hear the Bible every Sunday and it like just dawned on me in the past few months. Like I don't actually know it though all that well. So that's something I'm working to remedy, but like I just, um, I don't know. That's that's probably, my mom is probably the the most obvious example for me and that's, she very effortless it looked effortless i'm sure it was not effortless <laughs> yeah. on her side but we'll, it we'll looked her yeah later. yeah <laughs> she'll roll your eyes at you and tell you that she i have no idea what or she has no idea what i'm talking about but um she just was really good at you know she was open with her struggles with us about like i god has put this thing in my heart like just kind of making it part yeah. of the conversation but not in a cheesy way if that makes any sense like not in this like she seems real in terms of you know there's a lot of parents that you know i've, I've come across i even when i was growing up you know there's some parents you can tell that are just they're faking it or they don't know or they're embarrassed or whatever it is mm -hmm. you know and, and what i noticed about margie your mom is this that she is just real she'll tell you how it is um she doesn't really sugarcoat it she doesn't have to mm -hmm. um but it's in a way that that makes you feel like she cares is yeah. what i see yeah, mom has this one one big skill of hers in particular that I really admire, and I think it's a natural ability, so I don't think I'll ever be able to pick up on it. But she has this ability to um, give someone a critique in such a kind way that I, I've yet to see somebody get really offended mm -hmm. and... I can tell the same person the same critique in the exact same words and it comes across as a total slap in the face. And I, it just is, I. It takes talent to do that. It does. Okay. And very rare she has a natural ability for it. Because if you ask her, she's like, I don't know what it is. So I know that there, I'm sure she has worked hard to kind of hone that skill, but she does have this natural ability for that. But I don't know. It's there's there's a lot I admire about my mom, so the list could go on forever. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. it, uh, that's, that's great to hear. And uh, so Tanya and Nancy, similar question to you both, because motherhood, just like fatherhood for me and for Matt as well, it it, it doesn't end when the kids mm -hmm. grow up and move out of the house and do whatever. It doesn't. No, sorry. <laughs> no, it sorry, doesn't. I'm it to you. <laughs> sorry. So. Kind of question, if you could. You know, I thinking of my mom, she she was pretty strict with us kids, and she was pretty straightforward, and sometimes we were a little bit afraid to approach her about things. But um, one thing that really sticks out in my mind with her is um, I talked to her after I, I had taken my younger son away to college, and I don't know what happened to me. I just, I started crying, and I was just so sad that he was going to college, and I've just you know, it was kind of fell apart there. And um, and I was talking to her about it, and I said, did you cry when we went to college? And she said, oh, no, I was just so happy that you were able to go. Hmm. And I went, oh. So it kind of hit me that, oh, I guess this isn't about me. 
<laughs> um, which should never be about me, but it, you know, it just kind of struck me is that maybe all of that, um, the way she raised us and my parents raised us, is that in her mind, it was she was always doing what she thought was best for us, even though it was hard for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really, I mean, I don't care what stage you're, of life your kids are in, if you, and it's really hard to stay in that thought because you want certain things for your kids and your grandkids, but it can't be about me. It's got to be what's best for them. And, you know, they have to find their way and maybe it's not my way. And it, sometimes you just have to kind of zip it and watch. And if I've learned anything from my kids, I've probably learned more from my kids than I have learned from my own mom. But they, I've learned to trust their instincts and trust their decision-making. And I kind of learned that a long time ago because they, sometimes they made decisions that I thought, ooh, that is not the right thing to do. That is not, you know, it's not a terrible thing. It's not dangerous. I don't need to step in here, but I don't know. about. And they come out smelling like a rose. And, you know, I thought, well, look at that, you know, good for them. And at the, you know, at the time I'm thinking they're going to really learn something from this. Like, what a bad decision that was. <laughs> and what I learned was they have really good decision-making skills that I need to trust. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to let go of that because as a mom, you're guiding them all throughout their lives. And then they get to a point where you're guiding sort of, but they're really taking the, the reins and going with it. And then when they get married and they have their own family, all of a sudden, half, you know, sometimes you don't even know what's going on in that particular instance because they're you know, they've created their own family and all of that kind of talking things through they do with their wives, which is how it should be. Right. But all of a sudden you realize, well, I really don't know anything about that. And I guess it's really not my business, you know? Yeah. And it's a real weird shift uh, when you realize that. That And it's, I mean, it's fun to watch. Sometimes it's painful to watch. And then you just have to kind of step back and say, Whatever they do, they're going to learn from it. They're going to, you know, either gain some confidence or maybe not. But hopefully, you know, it's it's all such a learning process, whether they're four or 10 or, you know, 35. They're, you know, we all made it through. It's amazing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they will too. But just learning that from them, it kind of, when you realize that, it's really kind of a, it's eye-opening. So it's a little bit freeing, too, in a sense. Very much so. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. Mm-hmm. You know, we ask them for advice sometimes. Yeah. And <laughs> what a difference that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you think, boy, these, these were little boys. We would have, you know, that's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Tanya? Anything else you want to add to that? Um, I was thinking this, the thing that I, I, one of the things I think I've done well as a mom is I've collected a tribe along the way of raising my kids. And so I have moms 
of all sorts of age groups and stages and believers and non-believers and people who are really strong career moms and people who are stay-at-home moms and moms who homeschool and moms who don't. And I, I just think that I love that part of my life that I have so many people that I'm watching and taking notes and like, oh, I want, I want more of that. I want more of that. I want some of that. Like a, just a little recipe collection <laughs> of um, success. And yeah, I just, I'm so, I, I wish that for everybody. Like I'm so thankful for my, my little souvenirs <laughs> along the way of, of moms I follow. <laughs> Even blogger moms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cut that out. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut that out. No, we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> uh, Tanya, you brought up a little bit while you're talking about uh, just different kinds of moms, and you brought up working moms. You guys all happen to be either working moms or used to be working moms. Uh, were there any particular challenges that came along with that? Uh, obviously, it's a unique set of challenges that a stay-at-home mom might not face. Um, so could you talk a little bit more about that? Whoever wants to go first. I was lucky enough. I mean, I w- I've been half and half. I worked, I stayed home for the first 12 years. And then I went to work when my youngest was in, I think he was in first or second grade. I started working in a, a few different jobs. And um, obviously, we all know, they both have lots of challenges. But the thing that I found when I was trying to, when I've been working and trying to still parent, it's just exhausting. It's a different kind of like your brain is so tired and then you come home and it's like, it's like when you're a stay at home mom, when you come home at five is like, is like 8 a.m. Because your kids are just seeing you and you're just getting on your day. And so you have a whole other day Mm -hmm. of momming to do but you've already had a whole day of working and it's almost like you're two different people and this chapter is this door shuts and then that one goes to bed and now the new one's up I don't know it's it's a lot Mm -hmm. it's very hard yeah I I worked in the school system so I kind of had the same schedule that my kids did so that was really helpful but I stayed home for about 10 years when they were real little and when my youngest went to first grade, then I went back to work. And uh, there were times that we'd be, you know, throwing things in the car. Somebody had hockey practice, and they're getting dressed in the back, and the other one's holding the pizza as we're driving, and we're eating. And, you know, it's just it, – it. and then you get home, and you have homework, and it's tough. It's, it is hard. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to have the kind of job where I had – I was out of work, you know, relatively early during the day. Yeah. You know, I wasn't working till six o'clock at night, but yeah, there's just so much to do. And then you get home and it's not like your day has ended. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but at the same time, it was, it was not easy. I had a really unique experience where when I first had my daughter, yeah. I worked for a company out in Royal Oak. Um, and so she was in daycare. Well, she was at an in-home sort of daycare with a friend of ours, and then we were fortunate enough to have a when COVID happened and um, we had to switch up our daycare options and everything. We were fortunate enough to have a very close family friend watch her in our home um, 
until she had to go back to college because college went back on campus. And then, so then my daughter was in daycare. Um, but I, my job was not a supportive environment for working moms. They totally thought they were, and they totally were not. Um, I had to sit down and have a conversation with them about why it was important for me to pump during the day so that they would stop being passive aggressive about me pumping. They never said anything to me because it's illegal to, but you know, they, the whole energy would change every time I would step away to pump and things like that. And, um, the fact that I had to have that conversation is appalling to me, but, um, um, it's just, it's really weird. And, um, a lot of the world wants you to act like you don't have kids while you're at work and act like you don't have a job while you're with your kids. And I would, I had a decently long commute. And so I would get home and I would get to maybe spend an hour with my daughter before we had to put her to bed. And I would get to spend an hour with her before I went to work. It was the worst. It was Mm -hmm. the absolute worst because I had this beautiful little girl that I wanted to spend all my time with. And I got to spend two hours a day with her. And yeah. it was – so part of that was a big drive on why I left that job. Um, there were a lot of reasons, but that was mm-hmm. a big chunk of it. Um, you know, like having to leave at a specific time so that I could pick her up from daycare was an inconvenience for them. Things like that. You know, the mm-hmm. employers are not very um, – are not always very understanding of working moms in particular. Um, so that was part of – pushed me to start my own business but now owning my own business and working from home um I'm doing the stay-at-home mom while doing Mm -hmm. the full-time business owner and (laughs) holy moly that has been something else (laughs) that is challenging to say the least yeah that is um yeah good luck explaining to Mara that you're working right now and yeah (laughs) yeah I (laughs) yeah things like that like having to um get babysitters so that I can go to meetings, yeah. but all of our family and everybody else works full time. Thankfully, my mom works from home a lot of the time so she can watch the kids for us. Um, but, uh, and my in-laws thankfully have not, they don't have nine to five hours so they can do yeah. oddball times too, but it's just been, um, it's, I, it, I don't even really know how to explain it because there, there is not really one good thing about the internet <laughs> is that if you're like, how do I handle this? You can usually Google it and there's at least, you can find at least one article of somebody who has done this thing and has advice on how they got through it. And I quit Googling it because I can't <laughs> find, because, probably because they don't have the time for it, moms <laughs> who blog about having a full-time job and being a stay-at-home mom full-time. They always have, either their kids are a little bit older or they have some kind of support on a regular basis or... Um, they're able to like put their kids in daycare for a portion of the day, things like that. There are very few, at least, able to like post online about it. But it's probably because they don't have time to do that. I don't even have time to post about my business on social media. So <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, it's that's been, it's it, and I don't I don't have any helpful tips because yeah. it's some days go really well and some days are a dumpster fire and I just. <laughs> It's, it's, you just gotta, like, today was a rough day, and, and I had a whole, like you said, you have everything planned out, and it never goes that way. I woke up in the morning, like, just, we're gonna have, I have all these things I need to get done, and we're gonna really work on it, and then my internet went out, and it just throws my whole workflow off, and, um, we have a relative routine for the day, but, you know, it's just, like, 
we all just explodes when one one little gear is out of place and the whole thing just explodes so it's just um yeah it's interesting being doing double duty mm-hmm. well uh one more question for you we've taken up a lot of your time so just one last one um you guys are all people who follow jesus what would you say what what's the role that your faith has played in raising your kids and being a mom and uh how's that different from judy america is that what you said in our last episode sure. judy america who's <laughs> just trying to be the her best mom you know for her what's what's uh your faith played in, in being a mom <laughs> By God. <laughs> uh, for me, I when I started out as a young, dreamy, Christian, stay-at-home mom, I always, I, I really did subscribe to the truth, and I, I still do. I can't give my kids what I don't have. Like, if I, if I want my kids to have an authentic, real, true relationship with Jesus, which that's the only thing I want for my kids, I have to have that myself and I have to be able to model that and you know life hasn't looked exactly how I planned and my faith journey has been all over the place uh in the last you know 10 years and I think that that something I've done well is model that I've wrestled with God in front of them I know I've gotten angry at God with them and in front of them and um then what they've been able to see is how God has remained faithful to me and in spite of myself. And I think that that transparency has served us well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think that you can't really fake it when it's right in your own house, you know? Yeah. And so that's always, that's that, that was my, my dream. And I think it's just rang true. Like I, I can't, I can't give it to them if I don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for me, I'm just so grateful that I don't have to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I when when times are tough and, you know, there's always something. Um, but in a true crisis, is, I guess, is when it, it, it really, uh, I mean, I knew. But what I really knew is that I, I don't have control over how things are going to turn out. I have some control. But ultimately, I don't, and thankfully, I don't, because I can't do it all on my own. And to know, I don't know how people um, just get through life thinking they're going to just, you know, hold on tight and make everything work just right and all that. It, it just, to know that, that, you know, by God's grace, we have, you know, created and raised these these boys who are now young men um that we didn't do it all on our own and thankfully we didn't have to and you know it's just a it's a relief to know that god's in control of this and he has blessed us for a long time and he continues to do so How about you, Justine? Anything uh, you would add to that? It's almost more like how has motherhood affected my faith okay. um, rather than the other way around because I keep yeah. trying to think of it the other way around yeah. and I just, I it's more how motherhood has affected my faith. It has uh, definitely affirmed that I personally, I was put on this earth to be a mom. I've always wanted to be a mom, but I, I, 
not in the sense that like I've I'm a whole new person as a mom, but I find a lot of fulfillment in being a mom. It's not the only fulfillment I find. My career yeah. is very fulfilling for me. My marriages as well and I really want to stress that because I think a lot of moms think that your only fulfillment can come from being a mom and that's not the case but I man I just I find it really fulfilling um but it has also I've never been good at just leaning on God and just trusting him I am such a control freak that I I just want to do it all myself I just want to handle it all myself and motherhood has been one thing I like you said you cannot do it alone and it has forced me to forced me to pray more, forced me to lean on God, forced me to trust God. This has been a weird season of our lives, being pregnant while I'm starting a new business and <laughs> having a baby with that new business and all those things. And, and what that has shown me more than anything is that when you trust God and when you say it out loud, I think that's a big thing because you can internally feel like you trust God, but mm-hmm. there's something different about saying it out loud. And when my husband and I started saying it out loud, we're going to trust God on this. He's going to get us through this. The things that just came through for us was just insurmountable. And it has just, it's its really hard to explain, but motherhood has just yeah. propelled this newfound need to have, like you said, Tanya, a if I want my kids to have a strong relationship with Christ, I need to have one. If I want my kids to learn about vulnerability and transparency with God, I need to emulate that. And if I want my kids to know how to pray well, I need to pray well. And so it's just been, it, I, I pray more. I, I am more humble, which saying is the reverse, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> um, I just, you know, it, it, the change in my faith since having kids has been astronomical, and I and I think it's, I think it's because God has called me to be a mom. I think I'm living out a calling that God has set in my heart, and um, it's yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, we appreciate your hearts, uh, all three of you. You know, Nancy, Tanya, Justine. Thanks for being here today and sharing and being real too, and not just yeah. uh, everything is all great. I mean, it's just, that's not not reality. I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of difficulties that go into being a mom, but there's a lot of blessings and a lot of rewards that come with it too. And I uh, I really think our listeners are going to feel uh, that sense of, of, of just authentic, authenticity that you've all shared. So thank you for uh, being with us today. And thank you all for uh, joining us as well for this episode of In All Seriosity. As we uh, discussed, uh, if you have questions, uh, comments, please submit those to our website, which is www.gotgrace.info. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and uh, be sure to subscribe at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast and take a moment to uh, rate and review. Uh, For more information about Grace Community Church, uh, please visit our website at www.gotgrace.info. To all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Until next time.